the long reign of King Aegon I Targaryen, 1 AC through 37 AC, was by and large a peaceful one, in his later years especially. But before the dragon's peace, as the last two decades of his kingship were later called by the maesters of the Citadel, came the dragon's wars, the last of which was cruel and bloody a conflict as ever fought in Westeros. Though the wars of conquests were said to have ended when Aegon was crowned and anointed by the High Septon and the Starry Sept of Old Town, not all of Westeros had yet submitted to his rule. Dun dun dun! Drama. <laughs> Just when we thought it was over. Wait, did you're we think it me, was over? You're telling me the Starry Crown of Old Town when the religious power structure finally says, "Okay, you're you're the person." Or, okay, let's just say the people that had the previous capital city in the place that you all were coming and you decided, you and your two sisters were like, no one quite has our vibe. Right. Or quite has the mind, the organizational mind that we do. Plus, King's Landing, this new city that we're building, is obviously the best location. That I mean, I know that it's between two neutral territories. It itself is a neutral territory, so it's not obvious that we should build here. Is this not an analogy for the whole thing that they're doing in the first place? Right. Our vibe is better. Let's go in and see what we can make happen. Well, they uh, did not get to enjoy it, is what it looks like. For me, that's how I see it. Maybe this is fun for them. I mean, you know, it's like Robert Baratheon Mm -hmm. when he was bored and sad once the war finally over he was like actually this isn't as fun as i thought it was gonna be was he really sad though i guess sad isn't the right vibe but i think definitely bored bored definitely you know fighting was way more fun and way more interesting i mean there's some pretty major losses in this chapter Mm -hmm. or in this section i could say and so as we were talking about in the last episode it's a lot of the highlights and so we don't get a lot of the kind of long and torturous you know, except for a couple pieces along Maybe the way. Maybe it's less tedious. But it seems fun. Because, well, you know, every other paragraph, a new dragon's coming in sure. to blow stuff up. Well, uh, did you read the same book? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be an interesting conversation. So, so you kind of read it. I, we've both read this chapter. I've read this chapter probably probably about like five six times. times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not to mention from my, my previous, my original experience with Fire and Blood. But yeah, no, this is a... Uh, we're only on chapter two of the reading order, and we're about to start. 2022 is the year of the dragon. I know it's the year of the tiger, but for me, for me personally, 2022 is the year of the dragon. Like I said, I'm, I'm on read number five of this chapter, and I'm hoping that the rest of the book, I can't remember individually. I can't remember specifically, but I'm hoping that the rest of these chapters, at least each of them holds a nugget like the the Princess Mary a bit, the letter mm-hmm, at the end, mm-hmm. that is enough for us to not just to talk about with each other and, and feel like uh, there's some kind of progress being made in our understanding of the world, not just masturbation of the details, but at least for fire and blood itself. For the sake of fire and blood, I hope that George buried a little bit of treasure. And it seems like that's really the only treasure in this chapter, truly, but what a great saving grace at the end of it to sort of project us, propel us into a direction of, like I said, trying to dig. So I'm trying to get something out of it because right. I feel like this is probably that letter and Agen's reaction to that is has got to be connected. I think it's connected to everything that I'm confused about, Okay, which I don't know if that's just me hoping that there's more symmetry to the world, hoping that everything is more purposeful. So in the end, that we all feel even closer together because we, it all dawned on us at once. Like the Lord came out of the sky and said, yes, mm-hmm. but he said a word. He didn't say yes. Maybe, maybe yes is the word, but he said a word that we all know 
and that we all feel, but that we all don't know how to say to each other. And if we could, we would all be friends and no one would fight. That's sort of like, okay, well, what's the end of Song of Ice and Fire? What's the uniting of these prints? Like, what is the what is the secret that everyone's missing that lets Westeros and the, the world at large continue to be full of this kind of warring animosity and really no structure or rules necessarily, just who is ever on top at the time and in the case of Dorne here, not actually on top, just who's mm-hmm. ever to diffuse losing long enough for people to get distracted from killing you mm-hmm. long enough to survive in some way. I think we're going to see that in the next couple of chapters because we're at the end of the chaos, I think. Now that Dorne's kind of been patted down. Yeah, for now. I think that we're coming into however many years of peace that they said came with the dragon's peace, quote unquote. Yep. I think it was two decades is what we were saying. And so I think that... We're coming up on that. That princess has got to grow up. Sorry, go on. Time for a little bit. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. In the Bible, are there more, are there examples of what you were saying we didn't have here? Because you said this was all, you didn't say high level, but it was same, the same energy. What did you say it was? The highlights? Mm-hmm. Is it all highlights? All, or other than the stuff that I think that we're used to hearing about? I mean, is, are there any... Long stretches of dialogue, basically, like good writing, like characterization. In the Bible? Yeah. I mean... Or is it all like this? No, there's some dialogue, definitely. Did this feel like the Bible to you? This, to me, just felt like <laughs> the... Par- it felt like my, my uh, deep religious affiliation with the Song of Ice and Fire is starting to make sense now that I got right. the like more historic Ex- exactly. original text. That's what... Well, I know that we're only on chapter two, and again... If you're listening to this podcast, this is this all is probably pretty obvious to you because you've read Fire and Blood also. And if you haven't, then maybe you're feeling the same thing I am. But for the sake of our conversation, we're trying to sequentially go through this and allow it to sort of expose itself and George's int- intended path. Right. And for sure, this one, just the way that we started out the chapter. Was, the long reign of King Aegon I Targaryen was by and large a peaceful one. The dot, dot, dot's a little snotty. In his later years, especially. But before the direct, so it's like a sort of like a more modern, more, more like Twittery Bible. Totally. Or more like a, not business insider, but just like a, not old, but just like an article that you'd read somewhere. It's just a, too much color almost. Right. It's like heavy handed color. Yeah. Anyway, go on. I don't know. I was just going to say it's a history of a people's and of, of a very specific group. And that's how the Bible begins too and it expands expands on it's a history of a people written and rewritten over the course of x amount of time and Mm so i think that especially as we read this from the perspective that we have now coming into it from the other side after this is ancient history to us and so i I could see why where you would draw some of those similar conclusions i'm just just curious because of the gravitas and 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 the way that they're describing these things and for the sake of all of us not just those who are excited to watch House of the Dragon, but everyone across the world that was exposed to GOT and everyone that reads the books, it feels like this is, uh, for some reason, very targeted toward us. It's not the Bible of Planetos, but it's the Bible of fans of the series because they're talking about the 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 structure that, like the the um, the cartilage that grew into the bones that we're all using as our body to make it through the story mm-hmm. it's so specifically about the targaryens which obviously is very specifically the point it's less of a of a uh overhead helicopter facing down 
approach of the battlefield where you see all of it. It's more so specific. It's like we're not very smart as people. And so we're obsessed about, like salaciously obsessed about a family. But the family, in this case, so happens to actually be important enough for us to learn about because it truly will help us understand about Westeros, especially at the time period that we're in right now in A Song of Ice and Fire. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, whenever we start doing House of the Dragon, we're going to have the stuff that's in this book, but maybe we'll get answers to some things Mm -hmm. like that letter, for example. It's an interesting Mm -hmm. choice, I think. I know. (laughs) They're going to do it. They're going to do it. They've got to do it. They've got to do, they've got to show us stuff in Hot D that will give us answers about maybe not the cave painting. (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe uh, not. Maybe not the the swirl. Maybe not the whirlpool that the Night King and his boys were. They're like, have you guys ever seen a whirlpool? Mm-hmm. It's like what I was telling you when I was a kid, and we watched West Side Story in our music class when we were, I was like in fourth or fifth grade. And someone during Halloween, which is the week that we watched it on Mischief Night, shaving cream the word sharks. Right, didn't really mean a lot to them. They just saw it and were a fan of it. Much like that. Is that what the White Walkers are doing? Maybe we won't get an answer about that because I think it might have just been the shaving cream on the street. But for the sake of the rest of the stuff, this letter, the God's eye, the list goes on. The staircase below the the house of black and white, everything. Why not take that opportunity? I know I derailed the conversation, but I just thought, like, why not take the opportunity, especially now that the uh, the con is canceled in February. Oh, why are we bringing that up in the middle? I just thought of it. We had even less opportunity for them to sort of make the other things that they're making like uh like this chapter it's like a bunch of chapter and then right at the end it's like ooh mystery and new info <laughs> maybe there's going to be some crossover um what's the word like satisfaction coming from house of the dragon or hopefully some flashbacks to previous yeah because it's pretty far he hit it in this chapter mm-hmm. so like you can't just he can't just sell a three-page book where he has like a couple poems that are ooh very mysterious about a song of ice and fire but what he can do is write out the mathematical truths that led us to the point where his poetry is and that's kind of what this is you see that when Egan is this is if you like that if you like that kind of stuff this is like porn for that Egan's like and then I gave it to my master at arms at Dragonstone. He took he took the lead of Harrenhal, but I had previously promised the Riverlands to Edmund Tully. So even though he was my friend and the master of arms at Dragonstone, and mathematically soundly the one that should have taken over Harrenhal once we drove the last Greyjoys out of there, he still has to pay homage to the guy I previously mm-hmm. made in charge of the Riverlands. And it's like, ah, oh, Aegon, you're such a good leader. How fair. And there's all of those mathematical appointments in the last chapter and in this chapter. And then there's the little poetry at the end mm-hmm. with the grabbing the seat. And and that was also, I'll read the passage later whenever, I get, we can talk about it whenever you want, but. I think we were talking about it right I now. I think we are talking about it now. <laughs> uh, he, uh, it was that same passage about him grabbing the uh, the throne was also in A World of Ice and Fire. Mm-hmm. And right. so clearly this is, this is important to George. There's something in him, this, this tickles him in a certain way. I need to, we need to call Leech right now because Leech will be I like, know. I know this was actually in Gadding with Ghouls, right. that other book of his. I kind of like the idea, though, that there are ideas and things and places and ha- happenings that are mysterious. Because I think so much for me, the interesting exercise in reading Fire and Blood, not just to get ready for House of the Dragon, but to draw conclusions for when and how and what in A Song of Ice and Fire 
And so I also wonder, given future circumstances in A Song of Ice and Fire, if a situation like that could potentially arise and we can... Like a letter? Yeah. Mm. I mean, not that there well, isn't. There are already some letters. some letters, yeah. <laughs> there are some very specific letters in A Song of Ice and Fire. But you know what I mean? That maybe it's not something we'll get a specific answer to this specific thing, but that it will shed some light on a future thing. Because personally, I don't see it being included in both world in both world of ice and fire and in this mean anything in my mind really? just because I think it was just one cool thing you thought copy of and paste, you know <laughs> we've all written a lot of papers where you just kind of borrow and put some stuff in there it makes a lot of sense no to kind of take way. yeah a million percent yes it makes a lot of sense to pull some of that text so and put it in here it's almost a product of organizational creep i don't know that's how i see it. i'm maybe that's a pessimist view but it's like, oh man, God, put that in here too. Every every day I get older, every 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 day that gets a little bit more likely in my brain. I know. <laughs> I'm like, mm. I'm not trying to dismiss, and I <laughs> want to talk about what you think about the situation because my reaction wasn't quite as strong as yours. But to to which thing? Uh well, this is just my vibe overall with Fire and Blood. It's like, oh, vibes. that's really cool. One extra on to the next thing. You know what I mean? But I thought that that was definitely one of the highlights of the chapter for me, just because, like you said. There's a lot of fact spitting out, and then there's mm-hmm. some, how did you describe it? Poetry kind of at the end, where you yeah. get some of the suspense and you don't have specific answers. And to be honest with you, I don't remember very specifically everything that happens in the rest of this book. And so maybe people are listening and they're like, LOL, we're going to find out, you know? But no, this is still, this is still a mystery. Yeah. With the uh, folks have a lot of theories on the internet and, uh, I don't know. I don't like any of them. <laughs> you don't like, what's that one? I'm trying to think there's, so Rainey's dies in this chapter, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. And I really liked this theory and this idea because it felt very dramatic that in that letter is, hey, she's still alive. Come and get her. Come on over. And then he immediately is like up and out. But why is this, are his hands bloody? Because he was gripping the chair with, so with some kind of emotion. Yeah. Some kind. What is going to draw more emotion than his favorite girl that he thought was gone? That he just, uh, I loved the way they described after she passed away. Um, I need to find it. I can't, but something about how he burned everything three times over. Yeah. Everything yeah. got Torched completely, door and thrice over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely dismantled. Yeah. So. As somebody who <laughs> seemingly has... What is something big enough to make you move like that? And in the book, they gave some answers that I felt like were pretty unsatisfactory oh, the, about what uh, it could potentially yeah, be. Yeah. That it was a plea from one father to another. Okay, come on. Yeah. Or people who've been killed already or people that may be killed in the future. Yeah, he was like he, he like showing them the stats, presenting with him the damage that they had done, sort of appealing to Egan's. The part of Egan that clearly he wants people to feel about him, or at least the part of himself that he wants to be, the part that he cultivates, which is a, a benevolent leader. And so maybe appealing, showing him the statistics of this useless fight now that Rainey's is dead. It's like, do we want to keep this going when, right. I'm, when I'm now offering you peace? Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. So others insist it was a list of all those lords and noble knights who had lost their lives during the war. They also suggested that it might be ensorcelled, which is one of my new favorite words. Never heard that word before. Ensorcelled, yeah. That's out of all the magic stuff that I've read in my life, or uh, like this era of uh, 
of like uh, mysticism, like whoops, sorry, like wizardry, where people wave their hands in the air and then whoa comes out of it. Never heard of ensorcelled. So right on. What does it mean? Enchanted. Yeah, exactly. That's okay. what it means. Yeah, okay. and, like it's an enchanted uh, letter or something. And so they use the idea is that maybe they save some Rainies' blood. Like, excellent blood magic. Mm-hmm. Like, who, we could have used anyone's blood, but, like, Voldy thing, it's like, no, I want his blood. So they got her blood, and they started doing it. I don't think that's likely either. I think the most likely option about what they suggested or what the what the author here suggested is uh, he was like, there was, like, a, a, a final plea that was, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna hire the Faceless Men of Bravos to kill you. Everyone. To kill everyone that's important to you or you, like, Whatever it could have been. I think that makes sense, especially given some of the other folks pretty early throughout the whole chapter where most of the surrenders and most of the victories in this chapter come from, well, so-and-so just got kind of old and tired and they didn't really want to fight anymore. And they were just kind of done, which makes a lot of sense. And so maybe he— Organizational creep. He also maybe— came to a similar it's like uh, after all of this i'm now gonna have to face the faceless men absolutely not yeah i think we're good enough i lost somebody already i mean who could he have lost that's closer to him besides everyone i mean exactly besides the two of them the dragons but that just removing legacy their potential to have legacy right i think that's enough to kind of make a man tired you know so. Well, like I said at the beginning of the, the conversation, they didn't get to enjoy this at all. You know, they our, our first chapter was the the uh, sort of disassembly of the old way, the, of the the latent, like just the this the the for lack of a better word, kind of like the inbreded, the inbred version of the old way, just the over and over, tirelessly unchallenged, the, the kind where the the old cellular matter had turned cancerous and it needed to be. Evacuated, need to be removed. I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I want to break. I want the to wheel. break the wheel. <laughs> that is yeah. That what so you're they came in. Yeah. So they came in and broke the wheel, but not all the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, being the chapter, of course, Sisterton's an issue. Classic. Sister- it seemed pretty quick, though. It was quick. It was like a paragraph in and out done. But and yeah, that's the. That's why I was asking about the Bible. It was like, and then they went to here, and it hark, and then it be for sure. There's like chapters where. Someone's whole lifetime is just a sentence, boiled down to a right. sentence. I mean, they're in the Bible, so go off. If, but You're right. <laughs> you made it to the Bible. That's pretty Can't big. be too mad about it. But it's there's nothing that... it's. It, I feel like it's not... You could just almost skip over it, you know? Yeah. Because if there's not... <laughs> That's what I've been saying. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, could almost, you could almost just... Because it's like, oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. They built it at the house? Oh, yeah? So if you're like a, but if you're like a house, like this, if you're like a person who wants to write a a book, it's like, do you want to know how to make their backstory? Mm -hmm. Write your book, and then years later, make their backstory to what you made the book. Mm -hmm. Presto. Or look at this and see, like, the thoughtfulness and the, like I said, the mathematical truths of how it all led to where and how Aegon was a certain person and uh, how that manifested and how, like, it's sort of consistently the way that he treats people. He gets kind of the the reward from that so far. It's seems especially because it's been it's being written to really pop yeah, him up, you know, for so. sure. But at least it's good writing to where it's it doesn't totally. it doesn't not check out. It, there's not it doesn't feel like so far. I don't know the less less about like the the quality, more just about me being uh, annoyed is the the whole issue with Dorn and and. Dorn has been a thorn in our side and in Westeros' side since the beginning. 
Who do you like in this chapter more? Egan's people. Let's just do you like Dorn or everyone else? Dorn is kind of fun in this chapter for two reasons. One, they just disseminate the land and they hide and no one can find anyone. Mm-hmm. And they just kill everything and they make everybody march across the sands. Who was it? The Tyrells that are marching. They lose everyone and everything. And then they get to where they're going, Hellholt, and it's completely abandoned. Yeah. They're just all lost to the sand and everything. I, I think that that's pretty, that's such a swaggy and maybe... They crossed the river Brimstone on the way to Hellholt, and then they were pulled into the hellish sands. Outside of the Hellholt, the sands are hellish, and the sands are hot. And when you're outside the Hellholt, the sand is so hot that it makes you want to drink more. But guess what? You can't. They poison the water. It's a swaggy So you actually drink more poison than you would have because you're outside the hell hut (laughs) next to the river Brimstone (laughs) where it's really hot. I like what Dorne did because I think it's kind of swaggy. And also I think that it's kind of, I don't know, feels like they're cheating a little bit, which is kind of fun. For sure. It's kind of fun. Yeah. But I think that the way you're describing it, I like those like high level hit, 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 hit. It's a different way to approach the place and it's a different way to approach the narrative that is so different from A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, it's tedious compared to A Song of Ice and Fire because you can't walk across the lawn without people talking about like, those highborns are always doing weird stuff to our country. You can't just really enjoy the story. But you know what's also kind of funny is I was looking at the wiki for this just before we sat down to record just to see, you know, re-get my bearings and there's like 90 characters in this chapter and there's like 500 yeah. locations. So it's a, there's a ton of information and it's a really big brain dump, but it's kind of fun to get those snappy things. And so we get these really cool pictures and this is probably the most interested I've been in Dorne is we get these really cool high level pictures of all this weird stuff that they're doing and they're kind of subverting the norm and they're kind of running away. And so I love Aegon just comes in and he's like, well, I guess I'm just going to declare victory because yeah. I can't find anyone. Yeah. So I'm just going to declare victory. Set and, up our people. You know, that's fine. I think that that was such a funny move. And then as soon as they leave, immediately mm-hmm. all of Dorne just says like they erupted out of the sands. And they, the Dorne erupted behind him. Yeah. Which I think yeah. is, I think that in exactly the way you're describing, it's just very quick pictures along the way of this case. It's like we're getting... Imagine if you were reading the last two books of A Song of Ice and Fire, mm-hmm. and instead of us waiting outside to for the battle to begin, and we're like reading 17 chapters about the trebuchets almost getting ready to be flung over the wall, yeah. we just get one sentence about how insane it was when all the bodies came flying around. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. It's very, the satisfaction is very immediate. And so. Yeah, you're right. I just kind of liked. I felt like that was kind of fun in this chapter, regardless Hmm. of all the millions of names. I think when you look past that and just kind of read it for the story and Mm -hmm. the plot, there's some really cool tidbits about what the what the Dornish are doing. And I found that to be much more interesting in the context of them than I previously that I had previously found because I just get frustrated, I think, with their energy in A Song of Ice and Fire. Oh, that is, that is that is very interesting to me. That is weird. So sometimes it's good. So almost like you're you're saying that almost the Song of Ice and Fire would almost benefit sometimes if they pulled out a little bit and went a little God mode sometimes. 
maybe that's a totally different way to tell the story. Yeah. And so it might feel really weird. Yeah. And I think any like in, a prologue is kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Not really, Not but there's really. just no yeah. opportunity for that. But that's mm-hmm. what we love about A Song of Ice and Fire. And that's what they did wrong in the TV show. And so mm-hmm. I don't know if I really want, you know, would want that necessarily, right. but it's just a fun context to kind of get some information now. Cause they tried to do that in the TV show, you know, yeah. with the last two seasons, it's like, here's the highlights and the battles, You're but right. you they, cut we didn't all like the it. good stuff yeah. and the dialogue and the we felt cheated out of it. But I don't necessarily need, Personally, I don't need to feel close to Aegon Targaryen. Like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I. It's like you know that he's not gonna. It's it's like you know that you can't feel close to him when you start this book because he's just one of the people. And he's kind of the god figure, so it's kind of like I don't know. I want to keep that idea that he started this thing and he's the guy. And what what better way to do it than to just make most of his victories or defeats a sentence long? Yeah, or a and so long. versus when you're in a song of ice and fire, and it's like Ned Stark. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Or John? How long did decisions? you and Catelyn have sex? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that was good enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like there's too much room for error. Wait, wait, Catelyn, you just kind of splashed yourself clean. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's thorough. Yeah. So hmm. that's what I think about Dorne. I don't know if you you, you like it more in this context. Rather, thought... You think that they sound silly when they talk? No, I wouldn't go far. I get. I th- I wouldn't go as far as saying that. I think my frustration with Dorne in A Song of Ice and Fire is how boring it is to me and how people say it's so important. <laughs> I think that yeah. it's so boring. Yeah. And no one is necessarily saying that about here, but we're no just, one said it about this. We're yeah. just getting they're doing cool things and they're trying stuff and it seems fun to me that they're um They have a purpose for one. Yeah, this, they're making everybody this. feel bad. So I enjoyed it. But do you like them more than the Targaryens in this situation? My favorite people in the chapter were the Ironborn. So what if I had him? to pick, rank the three people and rank the three main families in this, those are the people that I was vibing with. Actually, I was hoping you rank the uh, all the characters that were mentioned. The, yeah, the ninety characters the that were mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember even probably like five of their names. You can at least rank locations. <laughs> what do you like better, the Vales of Vale or the Wild of Wild? Yeah, or the Wild of Wild. Is that what? There was a couple people who their name was the same as their location, which yeah. made me laugh a the little bit. The planks of Planky Town? No, that's not yeah, it. something like that. But Shout anyway, out to Flotsam and Jetsam. I don't know if you felt like, I don't know if that any of the Dorn stuff was interesting to you in the chapter. or Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess, of course, it's going to be I knew what they were going to do, though, because I, after I heard the first analogy, or I don't know if that's the right word, after I was described the first attempt and then the first failure, it was like, oh, I get it. Like they're fighting a losing battle. Well, why is it a losing battle? And I guess that's part of what we could talk about. But why is it a losing battle? And how come Aegon and his sisters and anyone else, Oris, how come all of these smart people don't see that? And why don't they try another strategy, another, and even another, another one? Because Reina, Reinus went there and was was told. No, we're not going to bend. We're unbound, unbound, unbroken. Good luck with the rest of everything, but we're not going to kneel. And she said, well, I'll come back and we'll revisit this. All right? Because I can't I, deal with this right now. I can't deal with this right now. <laughs> I've got a lot of other stuff to deal with. Um, that's kind of a useless meeting, if you ask me, just mm-hmm. to say hang tight. It could have been an email. It could have been an email. They could have <laughs> sent a raven at the very least, right? Yeah. And uh, after the, the the end of the last chapter, whenever he was sort of officially coordinated... 
This is uh, in after dealing with the Sistermen and after dealing with the Greyjoys, uh, or rather, sorry, the Iron Islands. Um, this was like a reattempt. And he so, turned his attention to Dorne. Turn, it's like the, it's very impressively stated. Yeah, and so I'm back here. I turned my attention toward you, and now the sort of the first the first thing is torching people. Mm-hmm. So it's like destroying property and potentially killing people, and just overall crushing the vibe. I don't really think that's a very smart approach. I don't feel like that that spawns a lot of uh, potential, like. Uh, Collaboration between people. But they already tried the collaboration right, and they, they refused. But they came in with Valyrian steel and a dragon and were like, I'm going to tell you that my vibe is more impressive and so you need to bend to our will. Also, we have dragons. So if you don't bend to our will, we're going to stop you. But like, it's not like they said, we're cool, but we're in charge. I th- I have a feeling it was like, we're going to be in charge. We're just going to be in charge. And I think that the, the Dornish spirit is like, uh-uh, against that. Right. I just don't think that they deserve everything that they get, these Dornish people. Their, like, reputation, both the bad and the good, it's just kind of blown out of proportion. And it's mostly due to, I mean, the way that this place is naturally laid out and uh, the fact that they don't need the rest of Westeros to get money. And there was a part in this chapter where Oris and his buds were exchanged years after being captives for their weight in gold, mm-hmm. which is a lot of money. Right. So clearly they needed the money. Right. I don't think that they just out of the kindness of their heart were like, we want to give these people back. Maybe they were sick of taking care of them, fine. But they needed money and they wanted money. But for the most part, I think that maybe there was some trade being cut off in some way. George doesn't get into that. I think that, that was a missed opportunity for him to talk about like how they were freezing out Dorne extremely over this period. It was not mentioned at all, but I feel like that had to be part of the reason why they would need to ask for some kind of cash because while Dorne is, I think they were on the, the that Oris and his buds were on the west side of Dorne. That's, I, I recently saw an image of uh, uh, a uh, line across the diameter of Asia and then the diameter of Africa. And obviously Asia is presented to us like from like the tip of each side of Russia to the other. It looks like the biggest thing on earth. And they were showing how like the skew of the way the these maps, maps are laid right. out like creates a different idea of the actual reality of the situation. So yeah. Africa is actually much wider. Okay, well... Dorne is way bigger than the West, the rest of Westeros. We're talking about people in the Reach are all smashed up with each other. And then maybe I'll just take my boat up the Red Wine. It's different than everybody sort of agreeing down here, we don't need any of you guys, and we're going to trade directly with Essos. And we're going to skip whatever taxation or whatever rules are coming down from the rest of the kingdom. It, that's probably something, again, George didn't mention any of that. Would have been a great... Another opportunity, maybe it would have been too much in the weeds, but another opportunity to show to show more of the pressure that they were putting on Dorne um, logistically in a way that would like force them to act this way because it just kind of seems like they're just doing this because they're assholes. And like they don't have a like, – we just don't bend the knee. It's like, okay, so you just – you sacrifice countless bodies. You guys live in a hole for years all just so like these people can't do what exactly because they're not going to like be there in Dorne. They've treated all the people that they put, that they took out of office pretty well if they weren't torturous and angry. And they've taken care of the people that fought for them. They've done, maybe the people in Dorne don't know that. It seems like Princess Maria had a pretty good idea. Whether she was douched out by Rhaenys, I don't know. But it seems like she had a pretty good idea that she was dealing with people that were not completely shitty. Sure. This seems like just a top-down, horribly handled thing from Dorne. And all they get to do is say, they get to, like, speak platitudes like Oberyn. And then, again, Oberyn died. Remember that. 
It's not like he spoke platitudes and then he became the king of a song of ice and fire. He spoke platitudes and then he died for dumb reasons. And it's like, it it feels like Dorn is getting this outsized reputation in the series as like, oh, you cannot mess with Dorn. Mm-hmm. Dorn does not bend or break. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, what do you guys do that's any good? Like, mm-hmm. you're, it's just the size of your land is really big and... You have a lot of stuff that's worth money. And it's really warm and nice down there. Yeah. And you guys have several different vibes. Some of it's mountainous and scary. Some of it's beautiful and lush. And there's also a lot of the blasted lands there that, I mean, you can, there's so much strategy. And there's a reason why in this story that it survived in the way that it has for so long. But it seems like maybe there's a deeper thing with this letter. So I don't know. The way I see it is that we're supposed to read it like a textbook. And so the spoils go to the victor and history is written by the people who win. Mm -hmm. So, of course, we're going to have a very cut and dry. Dorne's going to really look like the bad guy really easily. And like they have no strategy because it's a sentence long and they're meant to look that way because they lost. Although they did lose in only because the yellow toad passed away. You know what I mean? They they didn't even. Yeah, they got tired, like we were saying. And she passed away, and the successor, he's, what, 60? And he's like, I don't know, I've been around long enough. I don't want to do this anymore, you know? So that doesn't necessarily... I think there are a lot of moments in here where we see a lot of grit and savviness and strength from Dorne. We just aren't getting the full story because it's not about Dorne. It's about the Targaryens, and it's about yeah. their conquest of Westeros as a whole. And while I think it would probably be interesting to get into the weeds, mm-hmm. I just don't... I think that the point is we're supposed to think Aegon was the one and the guy and the thing and that their hard, heavy, fire and blood rule was the best way to go because that's how the narrative fits. And so we'll save the complicated relationship stuff for when we get into the now, which is where mm-hmm. we are in A Song of Ice and Fire. Mm-hmm. That's how I, that's maybe like a dismissive way to read it, but I agree with what you're saying. I just don't know if this is the time and place for that necessarily. But that's also a good it's question a because... of extra material. Well, and it leads to kind of this, well, why was this the thing that we decided that we wanted to write and read? You know, there's mm-hmm. so many really cool perspectives and places that we don't know about that I think I would say a history of the Targaryens would probably be pretty low on the list of most people's wish list of George R. R. Martin writes a history or writes a prequel or writes a different book about the world. What do you want to see? I feel like this would probably be pretty low on the list, at least in my mind. If they were still in Valyria, I think that could be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Way, way, way back. Mm-hmm. Just kind of the randos that they were in Valyria. Yeah, it was a different environment. And there were so many things happening there. And we know that they were a kind of nobility, but not not a, a chief among the families or among the power in that place. And to know that they're this savvy and powerful and to know that they were sort of mystically inclined to GTFO and that there's some kind of mysticism... I mean that that means that the place that they came from was pretty badass. That means that they were they were they were like I said they were not at the top of the totem pole. So it's 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 like Melisandre leaving a shy. Like what kind of wizardry can they do out there if she can do this? Mm-hmm. 
Mm. It's a little more mystical. That's fun. Yeah. I'm, that's what I'm excited about. That's what about. the letter is. That's why the exactly. letter is kind of, yeah, because I think potentially. The, the letter is, I think, I, I don't know if I'm right. Um, it would be... It would be disappointing to me if it was just about his relationship. Well, <laughs> that be, makes sense. Yeah. And I, I, I think that speaks to a, like, a deeper uh, truth within me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, where's the That's artillery so cool and stuff? and romantic. Yeah, I don't know. No, 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 no. But I do like the uh, the idea of it being something that, like I said, sort of ties together these these mysterious elements of the series in some way that... Uh, like 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 these different POVs in a song of ice and fire actually does like a, a a little piece of understanding from this guy's perspective like we see um the red priest uh, Makoro and uh and Vic trying to figure out this horn right and it's like Vic's like hmm this thing does this you know and the priest is like well I'm very and he says all this magic stuff and then like Vic's got the memory of Euron and the memory of the guy blowing it at the moot and we all have the, all these memories, too, and we're trying to put it together. But, like, they don't really know about it. So, like, we get that little piece. And then Marwin's like, horns, horns. And John and Sam found horns, horns. Like, all these little right. these little pieces yeah. creating, like, it's like there's a real thing happening behind all of this. And we all don't know about it. But we know about it, sort of. And we're trying to put all these pieces together. Little moments like this that he's he writes more than once, I'm like... What do they know? Mm-hmm. So some folks, this is a theory that I did like, some folks think that maybe Dorne has a kind of dragon horn, and maybe that's how they brought down Rhaenys. Interesting. Rhaenys. And not- Instead of a scorpion to the eye, which right. is a really good shot. And people actually broke down like the speed. And went, no way. <laughs> they didn't like break, break it down, but I'm imagine, I'm putting a bigger breakdown. Uh, they like broke down like how fast and how unlikely it would be to get that shot. And I was like, so it's probably a different story. and It's actually probably a, dra- a dragon horn of some kind because you oh, sorry. It, it's true that you can't miss i okay just get brawn to do it i know the huge huge whatever the, that thing was called that was Scorpion. so wild yeah was, yeah same thing oh okay well yeah it's, it's a big thing. crossbow yeah. i don't even know if it's a real thing i know what a real scorpion is but i've in my only years of medieval weaponry when i was a kid never scorpion is not something i was really exposed mm. to so i don't know now we are now you know about the trajectories of the i kind of like sort of the idea that she was brought down by just a really good shot. Yeah. Because that feels both lucky and as somebody who has been exhibiting such prowess for the last little bit of this book, it can about happen to, talk about yourself. to all of us. <laughs> it's like it's like archery or something you've been practicing. Right. I'm playing a lot of Wii golf. I feel really powerful. <laughs> um <laughs> That it could happen. It feels so much more real. It's like it could happen to anyone. If if she, I like that too. And her dragon just got taken down by some sure. guy with a really good shot. Mm-hmm. That the stakes feel really high to me mm-hmm. because they can't just fly over every town like for like fifty times. Yeah, it's like at some point they're gonna like try to stop unless you. you're that guy in halo whatever you should, who's like yeah who's got the jetpack <laughs> oh just no, no, like, no no i got your pistola mm-hmm. yeah 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 <laughs> flying above Shout everybody out. not caring about anybody trying to take him down because his in team's a, got in him. a pro match yeah that'd be like if lebron just started like going off during like game seven right you know what i mean and, and doing weird stuff that's the thing like if shooting you, like half court shots if anyway. you're up there and you're the only ones that have dragons and you're up there Doing your thing, doing your thing, doing your thing. You can get brought down by 
man-made stuff, you know? For sure, yeah. I think that that makes the stakes higher. So, uh-huh. but this magic thing is really interesting, and I think you should expound on it a little bit more. I mean, I don't know if the magic's but, related to how they took the dragon down or whether they ensorcelled the letter, and that it's simply that. That would be still technically some kind of mystery and magic. That's kind of cool still, though. If they had a red priest there, and yeah. you told me that Melisandre could ensorcel a letter, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would believe you. Totally. Because Melisandre ensorcelled her wound <laughs> <laughs> to make a shadow come out. Uh-huh. But it took Stannis' come, so that makes sense to me, because I feel like Stannis could do pretty much anything. Yeah. <laughs> so mathematically, this still checks Stannis out. Stannis probably felt so powerful by that. Oh, f- like, oh you're, you're right. <sighs> he wanted it so badly. God, He's and like, then... <laughs> If someone told him, like he heard from someone that they call him the Manus, and he was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I miss him. I miss him so much. Go on, do your duty. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, will you repeat again the letter thing? Oh, wait, not the letter thing, the dragon theory that you just said like two seconds before. Because I want Someone thought that they might have a horn. Oh, and yeah, so, yeah, the, the horn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so then that they threatened Aegon and were like, hey, we can... That's how we brought her down. Exactly. We're yeah. going to tell everyone we have a horn. We're going to tell yeah. everyone to search their grounds for horns and to test them out and that these magic horns might make dragons react. I'm going to be honest, y'all. I don't think that that, can, that, that can, could possibly be a thing, personally. I just don't think that... A, a directly mysterious element, the literal item from Aswaf is going to be that literal. Like, is but why not? Because he wrote this after he wrote a song of ice and fire. Is every and so, capital city going to have a horn? No, but if if we're reading Fire and Blood to get and glean more information about learning from history, what what could happen in the future? Sure. No, you're right. I guess there's not no circum. There's not no chance, but it seems. Not is it too on the nose? Yeah. If the dragons were previously the biggest threat to the earth that the forerunners will call them shout out to halo again needed to construct these horns as we have learned in the the the, the talking back and forth with makoro about the horn and about that specific type of magic the little warnings that he like ghosted us basically then you know maybe like i said if they were the big threat Maybe that there would be a bunch of enchanted horns that can stop them, but we still don't have any evidence that this is even what the horn does. So you would, True. people would have to be right about it. True. That specifically right about it. But I mean, if a horn does blow down the wall and a horn does blow down a dragon, maybe, maybe there are going to be horns and different, like maybe that's because it, here's the thing. You have to commit. You don't have to, but if you're going to make a story, it can't just be, it can't just, everything can't be. And then he saw, like, he squeezed the chair, but we don't know what the letter says. We need to know what the letter said, or some letter. We need to know, like, what is your point at the end of this book, or at the end of the series, or at the end of this chapter? Like, what is the buildup? What's the conclusion? I don't need to know the mysteries of the universe. You can try to allegorically, like, put that in a story for me. Cool. But does your song have an ending, you know? Like, did you put the elements that you, did you commit to something? Did you say this is what a thing is instead of constantly setting up these mysterious perspectives? So George might be committing to an artifact if if that is the horn or if, if they do have the same style of artifact. But there is at this point in Asawaf a couple different fabled devices that are pretty similar. And so if so again, this he might be a little sheepish. We might have to get him out of his shell a little bit. 
Come on, George, bring us that book six. <laughs> Is it a horn? Are these horns? We're going to go to you Santa know, Fe soon. So That's true. We're going to ride his train. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait to ride your train. George Railroad Martin. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for completing the yeah. simulation. We're getting closer, everyone. We're doing this together. Please come ride the train with us. Is George... Like like I said, he's a little. He's I think he's a little shy to tell us really like what it is. Like what is it, buddy? What's the stuff? I think he. I think horns might be part. I mean, they're clearly they're. A, so I think if if that's an artifact that's that important, it's not crazy to think that there could be. I mean, Dorne is one of the oldest places. Uh, the way that they have maintained their self, the 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 place of Dorne, it's different than. Uh, strange uh, sort of like Norse-like ruins right, in different right. regions of Westeros. It's a, it's a whole other vibe from a different time. Places like the Hellhole specifically that carry this like naming convention from another era that feels to us like really modern and poppy. But to them, like Brimstone and Hellhole and all of that being close together, that's like their past that they probably think is a little like goofy too in some way. And that's the place that Dorne is. And so I'm sure there's stuff there. I'm sure that there's wild stuff in that. So maybe the artifacts are, maybe maybe horns are more important than it seems like they could be. Sure. Which would make sense because it seems like they're going to be really important later if it really does bring down the wall. But I don't know if that's, I still don't know if that's what's going to happen. Well, that's the thing is that we need, we need to know how to bring down dragons. We need to know how to slay some of these other mystical creatures. He and hasn't so, told us yet. He's still shy. He hasn't told us yet, like you're saying, but it would be kind of cool if there was a tie between the letter here and the magic answer for how things could potentially go down for a strong arm negotiating piece for our guys let's in just, the Song of Ice and Fire. Let's read the letter, uh, the reactions. Good idea. Um, okay, so... Um, first off, Princess Daria didn't show them the letter immediately. She did it after they were, because if, just keep that to yourself if they agree, like if they're like, oh, finally, these negotiations, man, can we not just be straightforward? Does it all have to be a game of dynamics? A game of thrones, if you will. <sighs> Such a good, I, I, so, so she didn't good. show them immediately. For no, that was good. I was, grace. I was uh, at the, the I'm, I'm like, uh. I, f- I forget his name. He's on the list of names in this chapter. Um, who the successor to Princess Maria? Um, the other Martel uh, Nor sixty year old. What's his name? Nor. He's old. Arn- Ar- Nor- Arnold. Arnold. I don't think it's Arnold, but it's <laughs> Nymore. I think it's Nymore. Something like that. Come on, man. We're the worst. I'm sorry. No, that's too much to memorize. I challenge everyone <laughs> to memorize the ninety names in this chapter. I, you know who probably you know. Who? We know probably like four people who could do that. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. No, no one. Sorry. Aziz, no do one you want to challenge it. us? Aziz, no, I'm going to text Aziz. He'll be like, Nim-. he might say Nymore, but he'd probably look it up first. Yeah, he would. <laughs> he goes to a- searchofisofire.com. That's Aziz's secret, Don't we all? by the way. Ace up his sleeve. That's true. That's so much. Hey, man, he, he donates to that website, though, so it's fair. Uh-huh. I, I'm going to read this. So this is the two accounts, but I just wanted to mention she doesn't show him the letter until it's like the last, it's the last part of the negotiation where it just seems like he might go, eh. The king was on the point of refusing. It was then that she presented the, yeah. It was then that Princess Daria presented the king with a sealed letter from her father. Please. Your eyes only, your grace. <laughs> go ahead and read the whole thing. And it is Nymore, okay? King Aegon. Nymoria. 
It's like um, random a song by Safari name generator, mm-hmm. and you just like put. A, there's a couple of the consonants. Anyway, King Aegon <laughs> read Prince Nymor's words in open court, stone faced and silent, whilst seated on the Iron Throne. When he rose afterward, men said his hand was dripping with blood. He burned the letter and never spoke of it again. But that night he mounted Beleriand and flew across the waters of Blackwater Bay to Dragonstone upon its smoking mountain. When he returned the next morning, Aegon Targaryen agreed to the terms presented by Nymor. Soon thereafter, he signed a treaty of eternal peace. All right. And this is the A World of Ice and Fire version. Swayed by such considerations, it is said King Aegon was determined. You want, you want the Dan Carlin version? Okay. <laughs> Here we go. It's not going to be good. I haven't listened to Hardcore History in months. Swayed by such considerations, it is said King Aegon was determined to refuse the offer until Princess Daria placed in his hand, I'm not going to do it, placed in his hands a private letter from her father. It'll, it'll come naturally if it does come. Prince Nymor. Aegon read it upon the throne, and men say that when he rose, is the word rose important in this? It's in both books. Is it a copy-paste like you said? Or did the Tyrells have something to do with this? I'm asking you, and I'm asking everyone listening. I'm just saying, y'all, it could be a clue. Let's dig into this. When he rose, his hand was bleeding so hard he had clenched it. Oh, so hard had he clenched it. He burned the letter and departed immediately on Balerion's back for Dragonstone. When he returned the next morning, he agreed to the peace and signed a treaty to that effect. What that letter contained, none know to this day, though many have speculated. Did Nymore reveal that Rainey's lives still, broken and mutilated, and that he would end her suffering if Aegon ended hostilities? Was the letter ensorcelled? There's that word again. Did he threaten to take all the wealth of Dorne to hire the faceless men to kill Aegon's young son and heir? Anus. These questions shall never be answered, it seems. Would it take all the wealth in Dorne, really, to hire the faceless assassins? It looked like they, they just sort of flipped, flipped a coin to someone. Do they charge more for more important people? That would oh, make sense. a more dangerous opportunity. They're yeah. totally going to mark up the price. Do they care about money? They do, don't they? Everybody cares about money. You're right. So the faceless assassins, no matter how much wizardry and no matter how much of a storied organization it is, they're just money dudes? Probably. God, what the... I know. They're not, you know, the golden company... Yeah, I guess, but so you're saying they're worse. So the Golden Company's worse. Yeah. Like they like money more. Yeah. They're like more shameless about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. They're more Which means they're probably a better hang. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. I think the faceless men thing is probably the most intriguing thing. And the most realistically intriguing so thing of what it could possibly be. Because. Just don't let Rannies be alive, guys. We got enough of them. No, I don't think she's like. Well, yeah, you're right. I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting, though, because. Only because it was such a quick reaction and such a short reaction. It's got to be something either really exciting or really, really scary for somebody like him to make. To be that mad. That's like a mad king thing. Yeah, That's a mad after thing. all this time of yeah. fighting, I mean, it's been a minute, and yeah. they've been like we've been saying and reading. I know a lot of people were lost along the way, but they've been strong arming them the whole time. And so, why couldn't they just burn? Lo- I mean, I guess they'd already burned everywhere three times over, but and there was no end in sight. I get it, but anyway, I don't want Doran to submit either. I don't think it's fair that they think that they can just come here because they think that they've got it figured out better and that they can unite all of these kingdoms. 
even if that wasn't the original goal and it seems like that's the benevolent way to describe it later, I totally understand why they want to stand against them. But what, at what point is it just kind of pointless? And at what point does all this, like, what point is the dominion that they're seeking worth anything to them? Whenever you're losing one of the three and you're losing countless men that you just earned and you're making no progress. And for what? For the blasted lands of Dorne? Just, for... just to show that you don't have weakness, right? Especially when you're trying to build something for the first time, you know? And I feel like the reason why he went so hard on Dorne, continued to do so, is because his girl died, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. part of it, part of it, because there's a little bit of, of vengeance at that point, I would think, because oh, that's sure. when things... Not enough. Yeah. Not enough so. vengeance. He should have just made it all stop. I mean, I guess burning Dorne three times... That's why I don't understand how, like, if if the Egan, the guy that was the superstar of Chapter One, right, the, the goat, the guy that we were talking about, that you said that you don't even want to know a lot about because you'd want him just to like float in the sky as a beautiful memory of what perfection could be. How, how come he can't really even shake Dorn? Like, what can be done? What was the trump card? I, I mean, I guess in that case, like, the trump card is this peace. That's like the ultimate victory. They're like, you stop fighting us because we offered you what you wanted in the first place. And like, we just made you suffer so long that giving you little to nothing seems like a birth. You know, like, wow, what a great game. Which is an interesting strategy, for sure. But like, you got to think of what quality of uh, individuals like put that forth as their strategy. I mean, I guess judgment doesn't really matter in the Game of Thrones because you live or you die and you... You win wealth, you control wealth, you lose it. But in the current story, this is still the same place. This is the the descendants of these folks that were that we Dorian is at the at the helm seemingly, and we've got Arian doing her stuff too. Like, do you think that Dorian's going to be an issue like it was here for Aegon and the Targaryens? And do you think that this mysterious element, whatever it is, is going to be sort of part of what that could be in A Song of Ice and Fire? Or do you think it's done? And that it, that mysterious element was more of just just some fun to make this seem more interesting and to make Dorne seem like like it's capable of more than it is. And it's, But maybe it is just ultimately just desert and fields and a lot of shoreline. I think it depends a lot about who's in charge and who ultimately gets to make the call about... Because there's a lot of conflicting desires within Dorne itself of the direction that they want to move in, kind of how they want to handle their little situation. So you're talking about Dark Star, <laughs> always Gerald. <laughs> you talking about Gerald? Um, I that's a a good question, and I would think that Dorne is going to be more like the thorn on the side, like this. But I just don't ever think Dorne is going to be the player, unfortunately. Yeah, why? Like unfortunately, this. I don't know. Do you want them to be? No, but you know they want themselves to be. Man, just yeah. This I don't like what they did here. It just seemed like a lot of unnecessary death, and I know that you don't want people to capture you, and that like you shouldn't be captured by folks. That's why this is so much on the edge, and it's fun to read and fun to talk about because there is no directly right answer. But I was not rooting for Dorn because they were getting. Someone told them they had to do something, and I was like, good for you for not doing that. I love the strategy of the folks in Plaky Town. Like, they were torching the town, they all just went under the water, and they're like, wait, 
Like, that seems to be the spirit of them. Like, we'll wait y'all out. And no one said anything. We'll push you all out. Exactly. Everyone kept their mouth shut. Right. Um, That's fun. I, I like that. But I don't like the poisoning and, like, the when they sent sorties into Westeros, that pissed me off. And they went to the wedding. And they gelded the, the husband in front of the wife. And then they raped the wife incessantly until they were all done. For what? All of these, all these shows of force, like going to Old Town and not being able to make, but attacking Old Town. What? <laughs> for their, for their own, for them to be able to do their own, I to get rule it. their own, to be their own. But to rule what exactly? Their little little land, their people, their history, their livelihood. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Why anybody would fight for their? And you think that's what they felt like they were doing by going out and showing force that they were saying, "Don't come attack us right after this." I'm sure. It seemed like they were antagonizing them to me. What did they say about the death of Miria? Well, they said that she died in her bed having sex with a horse. Yeah. Which is so funny. It's so funny how, see, this is the other side of that, of, of Dorn. It's like, oh, she she has sex with horses. It's like, well, good for her. If, <laughs> if she can handle thing. that. And that's what she thing. likes. That, she's like, how is that an insult? It's the only way I can get it. Right. Because it's a horse. Right. If you listen, if you worked yourself up to that, Maria, good for you. If that's mm-hmm. what you need. But like just by calling her the yellow toad, by uh, the horse thing, and also uh, the the history of uh, people sort of referring to Dorn in a reductive way. Uh, see, now, now I'm, now I'm kind of on their side again. Mm-hmm. But not completely. But just... I'm just on, I'm respect, I don't like what they do, but I also think it's unfair how people like misnomer them. That's not the word, but they mislabel them un, uh, undeservedly. You can't say, you can't talk about Dornish courage, like, and that be an insult because these guys stopped the people that no one else could stop. She fucked a horse when no one else could. Okay, so now because your strongest dudes can't do that, now you make fun of them for that? Of course. It's, so fun. it's like making fun of someone with like a great outfit and like everyone's like, oh, why are you wearing that? Of and, course. And it's like, because it's fly as hell. Right. But no one else has it. So they're like, we all agree that it's not actually that good. But in fact, she's actually, you know, fucking a horse. <laughs> Which is, you know, I mean... Pretty impressive. In this. Good for Dorn. Go off, queen. Age and ill health finally did what dragons and armies could not. So, I mean, that is like a little bit of a middle finger. Oh, it is. It's a big middle finger. And like I said, people, they've agreed that Dorn sucks because they're not as, because none of them are as good as Dorn in that, in that certain category. And so they're like, oh, but if we all agree it's bad, then like the amount that they are good doesn't count socially. But it's like, well, it does count actually because they killed a dragon and they stopped this from happening. But the current Dorne is different. They're, they've got that same sort of swagger. But Doran being incapacitated the way that he is and uh, whatever, uh, countless other reasons, probably having someone as strong around him like the rest of his family, like probably probably like gives him less of a reason to be 
really good at being a leader because he's he's surrounded by so many good people. Or he thinks he's better than everybody and he's paralyzed by his his grand plan. Right. Or he is better than everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're not sure about. And he's going to have like this moment with this letter where it stumps folks. And that's kind of what I was asking. It's like, does he still have access to whatever this is, if this is a thing? Or... Uh, if it's not literally the same thing, is this situation kind of a similar situation that his ancestor is going to pull out in his own way? And you could sort of say that Dorian's grand plan with the letter and uh, with uh, with with Quentin, obviously, and with however it shakes out, whatever plan, because there's been a couple different that have failed and they've, they've moved around. And some stuff might happen now with Fagan, which might be interesting. It's like, well, is that grand plan like that same version? Is that like the outsmarting of people? Like, is it being changed? Is it a new Martell, new Dornish, like, like a overtaking of other people's uh, short-term thinking? But instead of it being through, like, a, a siege that was never broken, it's through, like, this letter and this plan where it went from, I'm going to support this guy to support this guy. And then I'm going to support—but either way, it's a master plan. Hmm. Or is there some sort of magical mystery within Dorn? More more magical and mysterious than the Danes in Starfall. More more magical and mysterious than what is secretly behind the rebellious nature of Gerald Darkstar himself. More mysterious than that stuff. Is there something else that's in there? I just don't. I personally just don't think so. Yeah, and no, I just think that not. I think that part of the lesson of Dorn now is that you can be as calculating and do your best and it's the Quentin story I feel like can could potentially just be the whole Dorn analogy overall is his and story over and over again, over and over again mm. of just all the best intentions and the most main character energy possible and you lose still you imagine being as frustrated as they were trying to attack Dorn for all those years it's I just know. every little thing fails and you put people in charge and they everyone's lost. they're killed so viciously. I know. It, that's that's another thing. It's just like why do they have to be like that? Because it's, it's a like vicious land and they get sucked into the sand. You're right. And the king so something else I wanted to mention is Aegon himself. I mean, they all all the guys, they all got almost killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At various different times. And so they weren't messing around. No, they weren't messing around, but they uh the sands around Hellholt turned to glass. The fire burned so hot at one point. The next two years were the years of the dragon's wrath. Every castle in Dorne was burned thrice over as Beleriand and Vagar returned time and time again. Do you know what I, uh, uh, another thing I just thought of, though, with that letter? Is that not only did it end everything with Dorne, but that was pretty much his last fight. Because after this, war comes the decades of peace. And maybe that's because everybody kind of fell in line, but maybe that just like turned him off of the whole thing, period. They suck too. Not only are they taking over and murdering people in battle, but the shit with uh, Queen Marla, where they like uh, held her captive for five years and then cut our tongue. Yeah. Yo. Yeah. Why do you got to cut out people's tongues? Yeah. Why? Why? Dusky woman vibes. Well, I get it in that. I get that circumstance. <laughs> like, uh. But this one, I don't get. I don't get it. I don't get it. You know what else we haven't talked about at all is kind of. I'm skipping through the beginning of the chapter, but all of the stuff that's happening in the Iron Islands, and as we're talking about the future of 
our current peeps, something that really stood out to me about this was the, first of all, there's like three really cool parts of this story. But the thing that I was thinking about the most is all of the fighting that happened there that then led to the, it says that the waters between the islands were so choked with Preach, sister. corpses. Preach it. That krakens appeared by the hundreds drawn by the blood. And I was just thinking about Euron and I was just thinking about krakens and bringing them and magic. And I just, you know, the image of that is so cool Mm -hmm. in my mind. And so it just made me think an an instance about, because there's conversation about what he can and can't do and what he might be able to or not be able to summon. But it seems like... Read you a tweet that we retweeted earlier. (laughs) It seems like, and I don't know how many, I mean, choked with corpses, that's a lot of bodies. So how much blood do you need to be able to like draw on these mystical creatures? But how this could potentially be a clue into what, you're on it's yeah no yeah or it's misdirection mm-hmm. because i feel like it was it's been a fan theory for a while and now it's sort of like very giving you specifically the, put in here yeah i like it I though too. it's oh, so I love it. wild it's, there's so many me, homie, bodies yeah. rushed yeah, up yeah, yeah. That, and so like how many does corn or corn how, how many does Euron need there the krakens appeared by the hundreds do you think that really happened that krakens appeared because I mean, that's a lot of krakens, and maybe I mean they're probably all By still the alive. Hundreds. Do you think that you think that that's that they were krakens for real? Sure, or they weren't like jellyfish. Or even if they are, though, they're menacing enough to be mistaken for something scarier. What what are like even if they were even if it was like a jellyfish, you know what I mean? Yeah, but that's or not, an octopus. That's not a that's not this tweet from what did we retweet? Retweeted Micah of Clark today on Twitter. Where you retweet things. New tinfoil theory. Euron summons Cthulhu in Old Town, and the Eldritch gods pluck the high tower out of the ground and throws it like a javelin over Westeros, knocking down the wall like it was made of Lego. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. If if blood sacrifice creates a portal for God, for evil to come through, or if it draws a, a, a ruthless krakens to Old Town... Uh, to maybe take out the red wine fleet. Yeah. Mm. But where do they get the bodies to do that when they have to kill those people in the first place? All the... What little, if it's not... Sorry, go on. What about all, all those like girls in the boat by them? Yeah, that was that's uh, that was Vic. Oh, yeah. That was outside of... Uh, Still. Same energy, I same get energy. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that's why they so surely shot through Slaver's Bay because of the chicks. Maybe that's why. Um, maybe Maybe it was just like... See, that's the thing. And we know, like, is this magic real or not? Did the wind just blow them there? Right. But Melisandre. I know. <laughs> but, really put a wrench into everything. Right. So in this situation, could something weird happen? We've talked about this. We think about it. I don't know. Seems like you don't know either, like, uh, about even how you feel. <laughs> the way you're talking about it, it really seems like you don't know. <laughs> I don't know at all about even how I feel. But this, you made me think that what if th- this, it does happen. Like, what if we get that? But it, uh, in true, like, uh, modern storytelling fashion, it's like, you think it's going to be really magical, but actually it's more 
practical than you thought. And so what if he does summon Krakens on purpose, but they just like destroy ships and just dump a bunch of bodies in yeah. to make it happen. Yeah. It, he's not, they're not magical. Yeah, exactly. He's not making a portal that bad guys come through. He just actually uses like fish. Or if it happens on accident. That too. And then they start attacking them. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that though. Uh, maybe not, but. Hmm. I think that, that this, is, this seems to be like a very practical way. Not that um, islands choked with corpses is practical, no. but it seems like a practical way if these creatures exist to yeah. get them in. Totally. And we could use it to our advantage. Yeah. Krakens versus dragons. Yeah. I just yeah. thought that was such a good little glossed over yeah, tidbit to I, throw yeah, in here that really sure. made me pause. Oh, yeah. No, it made me pause too. I, I, I wrote down a note, but I just thinking about. How unfair Dorne is to all the captives, hmm. <laughs> while completely ignoring how bad the Targaryens are because they're because cool. this is their story. Because this is their story. When that failed to happen, Lotus, this is after the Kraken sent work, filled part. his robes with stones and walked to the sea to seek my father's counsel. What a great thing to say whenever people ask you what you're doing. Thousands followed their bloated, crab-eaten bodies washed up on the shores of Old Wick for years to come. I that was my favorite part of the chapter. Because it was like such that. a power move. Yeah, exactly. To seek my father's counsel, he's going to put rocks in his yeah. thing. Or oh, you're going to take us over? Hold and on. that <laughs> thousands of people followed. And he was also like, well, I predicted it wrong. So down I go. Yeah. I th- I love the whole drowned God thing. Have and a little so, bit of self-respect, you yeah. know? Why, why you got to squirm till the very end? Exactly. I love, love, love it. And so... Um, they should have they got that guy to be the leader. They should have been like, you know what? Actually, on second thought, if you're going to do that, let's let's get you out here and, like, put... Like, you don't get to leave now, bud. Like, we're going to use you. We need you. Like, Even that, if... That's good good energy. Right, exactly. Even if, you know, your predictions are wrong or what you're saying, blah, blah, blah. It yeah. doesn't really matter. Yeah. You have such a strong yeah. conviction. You have no experience, <laughs> yeah. but I like your vibe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You putting me on the podcast. <laughs> but... Well, you've read books. You spent your whole life reading books, yeah, man. Yeah, of course. Right, well, there you go. You're like, no one's ever asked me what I thought about it. I know. Well. <laughs> I'm going to ask you too many too questions. too much. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just thought that was such a power move. I loved it. He called upon the Krakens of the Deep to rise and drag down the invader ships, and it didn't work. Okay, this is exactly... Okay, 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 okay. Mm. This is what exactly what we were just talking about. Mm. So we have... The servant of the drowned god trying to use his religious this or mystical track on my next album, or magical <laughs> powers to call upon the krakens and to get them to come and do their thing, and that doesn't work. But you know what does work is the very earthly human practical pra- practical is, what it yeah. is is the practical implementation of a bunch of bodies are there, and that's what brings them in. Right, right. Which, which is for the most part what. Like I said, a modern storytelling, like usually what it's kind of a not a new fad, but it's like a it's like a cool way to juxtapose the unknown. It's like and actually it's just struggle is magical itself. Like well, reality Martin is does magical. That a lot. Exactly. Yeah. He's good at it. But like I said, there's also these moments of mystery and there's also f- moments of flat out magic. And so this is a particular because he sticks because he's so well like sticking to it, you know, there's like no one's like throwing up force fields and portals over themselves like every other like major fantasy franchise right now it's not 
that. It's still because he still has very like patient rules, even though we've seen White Walkers from the very first chapter. We don't think that they're just people in costumes. I guess they could be like they could Scooby Doo it at the end, but I don't think that that's what's going to happen. Even though there's clear magic and clear, like you said, practical results with like there's a magical explanation. But it's like the hound is tearing up the countryside. It's like, no, dude, Roy's from Biter. Like they got his helmet. It's different. It's not that. Right. It's not that. Right. Like those different versions of all that stuff happening in this is what creates the the confusion. And again, motherfucking George. Ah, why'd you do it on this part? Right at the end of this chapter, with him grabbing the seat and bleeding the letter. It was unnecessary. Before this, I did I did not need to know this so specifically. <laughs> and if it's something that's in World of Ice and Fire, listen, there's so many of those things in World of Ice and Fire that no one even thinks about. So now that it's been said twice, I'm going to pay attention, but this door was not previously opened. And uh, for better force, like I said, 2022 is the year of the dragon. So I hope that there's some kind of an answer after we dig, 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 dig. Doesn't necessarily seem like there is one, but maybe there will be one to come. Maybe the fun of the mystery, like I said, I don't, like I was saying earlier, I don't know if there is, um, if he's committing. Like the end of Runaway, boom, boom, damn, boom, 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 damn, like that, he committed. He was like, I'm going to use strings like they're a bass drum and the snare is going to be the piano and then I'm going to min- modulate my voice in the background. All great pieces of art, they go, okay, they commit to, it's not just the promise that it's going to come, the beat's going to drop, it's going to come. All right, so what, what is it? Well, some of it has been committed to and some of it hasn't. And we have two books left. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. But this this one would be easier to write because there's less dance moves and more of just describing the dance floor. Where are the dance moves? Probably more. I hope there's dance moves in the next chapter. Ready to do owns? Well, you want to add to that? Sorry. I just <laughs> agree with you. I'm hyped on Fire and Blood in a way that I was not hyped on Fire Boom. and Blood an hour ago. Boom! <laughs> so, that was the whole point yeah. of this. Yes. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> yes, you see? I know. You can, you can squeeze that of Fire and Blood. <laughs> he knew that too. Uh-huh. Like I said, he just did describe the dance floor for a book. Right. And But maybe there are some dance moves. Let's see. We'll see. Let's see. Next chapter. We'll talk about it after. I'm going to do... At least one right now, which is what we just read. Lotus filled his robes with stones and walked into the sea to seek my father's counsel. Thousands followed. Their bloated, crab-eaten bodies washed up on the shores of Oldwick for years to come. I have a great idea. What? Sorry, to We should up. do that? I'll okay. tell it after your own. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm working on it. Just a different version. Give me a second because I want to do... I also want to give my own to Agan's... Egan's answer was to declare was the was a declaration of victory, and so they go to Dorne and they can't find anyone. Nowhere is my actual enemy. None of these, none of those who remained would admit to any knowledge of the whereabouts of the Dornish lords and princesses. The yellow toad has melted into the sands. Queen Rain is told King Aegon. Egan's answer was to declare was a declaration of victory in the Great Hall at Sunspear. He gathered together with what dignitaries remained and told them that Dorne was now part of the realm. I just, I think that that's such great energy of, well, I can't find anyone here, so it's mine now. I like that, so. Didn't we just do that to Afghanistan? I think that we've done that to a lot of places. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> think hey, that, it wasn't me. I didn't do you it. I think that that's happened a lot, so uh, those are my owns. All right. What I was going to say before was uh, this Lotos guy could be your new obscure character obsession oh, to sort of flex yeah, our I folks. Oh, need one. Yeah, I this is a great one. choice, I think. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, I know two facts about him, so I'm good. Yeah, okay. 
Two facts is good. <laughs> That's all you need. No one's going to ask you more than two questions in a conversation. <laughs> right. They're on to the next one. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give my own to George uh, because I can see it now. Hellholt, a strong castle on the river Brimstone. Oh, yes, I can see it now with a red sunset. That's it. And all that that stuff I was talking about before. Yeah, that also, encapsulates kind of the whole. Yeah. yeah. That's my uh, high-level mm-hmm. sentence to Ooh, describe the that's book. That's your fire and blood that's own. My, that's own. my fire and blood of yeah. the own. Okay, yeah, we yeah, We can yeah. get into the whole own if you guys want. That's on patreon.com slash goo. That's on patreon.com slash Zach's place. <laughs> that's just your own <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> I'm going to read an own from Michael McCann. Classic. Thanks, Michael, for sending an email in. The subject of this email is Reign of the Dragon. And uh, we're glad you're here. Here it is. Wow, feels like it's been forever since I wrote one of these. And boy, does it feel good to be back in the world of ice and fire. I'll admit I bought Fire and Blood when it first came out, and I've had it building dust on my shelf ever since. I had heard it read more as a history book, so it wasn't interesting. While part of that may be true, I did not expect to find so many interesting moments and what events that have already happened. Now, this isn't the usual subtle plotting in games we're used to, but I, for one, still found it rather interesting. I mean, who knew Visenya was such a badass? Queen Visenya was set upon one night in King's Landing. Two of her cohorts were slain before, I think that was escorts, were slain before Visenya herself cut down the last attacker with Dark Sister. It's not the epic fight scene we're used to, but still shows she's the real deal. I particularly like how, even with it essentially being a retelling of history, that there's still moments that shocked me. For example, when Meraxes and Rhaenys died, the scales of a full-grown dragon were harder than steel, and even though those arrows that struck home seldom penetrate, penetrated enough to do more than enrage the beast. But as Meraxes banked above Hellholt, a defender atop the castle's highest tower triggered a scorpion, and a yard-long iron bolt caught the queen's dragon... In the right eye. Meraxes did not die at once, but came crashing to earth in mortal agony. Talk about an epic yet surprising death. Now, most of us all mock Dorn, rightfully so, he says, especially after how they were portrayed in the show. I know, it's rough. <laughs> That's actually true. But after this chapter, I have found new respect for their ability to survive. Yeah, I agree. The mystery of where they kept disappearing to, as well as I found very intriguing because not only could they hide, as if they were never there, they can make their enemies disappear as well. But somewhere east of Hellholt, amidst the Red Sands, Tyrell and his entire army disappeared. No man of them was ever seen again. Like WTF, they remind me of the Fremen from Dune. I wrote the same the same note. What, 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 how are we on the same wavelength, Michael? Maybe we both saw Dune. Maybe that's not it. Maybe it's something deeper. Finally a nod to the present. Lord Kyneton of Griffin's Roost. A subtle nod to John Con. Young Griff, it can't be a coincidence he put Connington and Griffin in the same sentence, and I, for one, love it. Right now, for my own, which goes to a small but surprisingly dark moment. You ready? When that failed to happen, Lodos filled his robes yeah! with stones and walked into the sea to seek my father's counsel, it says in quotes. Thousands followed. Their bloated, crab-eaten bodies washed upon the shores of Oldwick for years to come. Imagine seeing this as a show. It's dark, it's poetic, and left me shocked all the same. Once again, drag this... Go on. You say Imagine that? seeing that in the show. Thousands. Oh yeah, that would it, like it a would sequence so around the moody. end of an episode. Oh yeah. yeah, it'd be perfect with some uh-huh. yeah, or just some silence in the waves crashing. Oh yeah, that's even better. Lights are dark. Yeah. You can barely see like in Winterfell in the last season oh. when like no one could see anything, and you're like, right? They wouldn't even have to film that. They could yeah. just have a black screen. Yeah. All right. <laughs> 
Once again, this dragged on far too long. Didn't think I'd have much to say, but I'll admit I was wrong on this one. Literally me recording this episode. I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome to have you guys back up and running. Uh, and I can't wait to see uh, more. All the best, Mike from England. Wow. Thanks, Mike from England. It was England. so fun. We love to hear from Thanks you. Thanks for the email. If you have any owns that you want to send in, any thoughts, feelings, etc., if you're reading along with Fire and Blood, let us know. You can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Razzle, on... I think it's Rizzle. Oh, dang it. We're also not on that, <laughs> but I think there is something called Rizzle. <laughs> on Rizzle.tv. <laughs> and uh, just search for Game of Owns and you'll find us. Next episode, Three Heads Had the Dragon. Governance under King Egan the first. So let's see how you do it, buddy. Yeah, let's see how you do it. Let's see if there's any changes. See the sentiments uh, continue. The vibe continues. I'm telling you, I had this feeling. I had this feeling. I don't know if it's gonna if it's gonna last, but we're going through this book chapter by chapter. This is the year of the dragon. It's House of the Dragon season, baby. For let's God's get it. God's sakes. I feel amps. I feel amped too. Send us an own for uh, whichever episode you want. We have a bunch of chapters coming up. We do call for owns on our social media, but you can send it anytime you want. The places that Hannah was just mentioning. Um, like Michael did here, it really just helped me feel really nice on the inside and raise the vibe of the whole conversation. Um, so if you want to contribute in that way, uh, do it. This is, a, this is a deep... We've talked over the course of making this podcast since 2012... There's always an off season, and at some point, someone says, "Deep in the off season." This is deep in the off season, boy. I don't know if we've ever been. This is three <laughs> years deep, and we're doing fire and blood. Oh gosh! And it's like pandemic pandy vibes, mm-hmm. and so things feel like that time period also feels yeah. much longer because sure. time, you know, doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. But not much longer. Because House of the Dragon is coming in just potentially a few short months, and so. It's time to get hype. On that note, we're out of here. We'll be back. See you on the next episode, which Thanks is coming out. Hanging. It's it's out. Go listen to it. What?